Let's open our Bibles in Micah chapter 7. Micah chapter 7, please. We are actually to the last, the last section of the, of the book of Micah. And, uh, but before I, before I uh, get into that, I'm just, I was thinking yesterday, <clears throat> excuse me, about, you know, we come to church, and, and we all come to church for different reasons. And uh, I kind of think about that sometimes, you know, what is it, what, you know, what is it like? Why do people come? And, and, and really, they're all mostly good reasons. There's probably some bad reasons. But I think any reason to get you here is probably a good reason, right? Well, my wife made me go, or, you know, somebody made me go. They said, unless I went to church, they weren't going to feed me or something. I don't know. But... It's kind of like, you know, you know, we go just to be faithful because we want to be faithful to the Lord. We want to be faithful to the fellowship, and we just go to be faithful. Sometimes that's as, as strong as it is. You know, I don't want to get up and go, but I want to be faithful. I don't really feel like going, but I, I want to be faithful. Uh, sometimes it's because I want to see the people. I think, I think that's valid, too. I want to see the people who are there. I want to spend time with them, talk with them, have a cup of coffee with them, and uh, just kind of interact with some people that, that, you know, that I like and that like me, right? That's cool. Uh, some, sometimes it's I just love, I love worship. I love music. I love to sing. And, and uh, some of you, that's kind of like the thing, you know, and... and uh, we have a good worship team, I have to say that, you know. And uh, I just sitting back there, yeah, it's okay. And uh, just listening, and, and uh, you know, I was, I was a little nervous or whatever, and I was just sitting there listening, and I just felt, you know, like, hey, this was, was giving me uh, strength. And I know people through the years have come, and they just sit there, and they're in worship, and they're not singing out, but, but the music is ministering to them, and they're, and they're being healed. Some of you cry during worship, and I know we go like, oh, man, it must have been really bad. <laughs> They're crying during worship again. But I know that that's not the problem, usually, right? So a lot of those are, you know, those are all good, very good reasons. But, but I, also, I also think I want to I add this, is that you come and I come to hear from God. Because I'm trying, to, I'm trying to follow Jesus in this world and in this life, and I need to hear from God about something. Like some kind of situation going on in my life. I need to hear from God. I, I, God, you need to speak to me. I need to hear your voice. And, and that's, a good, that's another good reason also to come, and that God can speak, and God will speak. Because I believe he does. How is it going to be? It, might be? it might be through all those things that we just mentioned, that I just mentioned. We didn't mention them. I did. Right? It might be through talking to somebody and you say, hey, I'm having this problem or whatever, and, and they have a word for you, just some kind of encouragement. Or something in the song that you hear. Or, or uh, you know, just showing up and you hear something in the Bible uh, that comes out that, that's, that uh, speaks to you in your situation. So those are all good stuff. So I'm glad you're here for whatever reason. 
Some of you are here because we're having a potluck today, and that's the only reason you're here. I know that. I know that. That's cool, too. We don't like taking any food home. <coughs> so, Micah chapter 7, we've been looking at Micah, and, and uh, Micah was this country preacher, right, who, who was from a small town, and he was uh, speaking to the people mainly in the southern kingdom, although he was also had a wider ministry as well, and he, he was in the same time uh, frame as Isaiah and Hosea and Amos, uh, other prophets, and, and some of the things that he faced, you know, and some of the things we've talked about in this book, you know, uh, would people listen? Would the people listen? They had a choice to listen. We always have a choice to listen. Or would people just want to have their ears tickled? There's a lot of that going on nowadays in the church, where people just want to have their ears tickled. They just want to hear something that makes them feel good about themselves. Now, I don't necessarily want to make you feel bad about yourself. <laughs> but sometimes the way to healing is the way, the way up is down. Sometimes we need to humble ourselves. But, but uh, it's not a purpose just to make you feel bad about yourself, but, but to just make you feel good and, and, and tell you everything is okay when everything is not okay, that's not necessarily true. Not, not always helpful. Micah, Micah was a guy, he just told it straight. He just told it like it is, right? And, and, but he also talked about, there's a lot of passages in the book of Micah that, that are very positive, you know, the, the hope that came in Bethlehem, right? Micah chapter 5. And, and uh, we have a lot of hope in this, in this last section that we're looking at here as well. Uh, chapter 7, though, he talked, you know, he started off saying, woe is me. And it was bad. The situation was bad. And maybe it's bad in your life too, your situation. But, but he says, I watch in hope and I wait and I pray. And then the last time we looked at it, he, he also talked about, you know, that, that Israel was going to fall. Verse 8, he says, Do not gloat over me, my enemy. Though I have fallen, I will rise. Though I sit in darkness, the Lord will be my light. That... Yes, there's sometimes we fall, and sometimes it's our fault, and sometimes it's just, it's just life. But what do we do when we fall? We've got to get back up, right? We've got to get back up. And sometimes we don't want to get up. Sometimes we don't think we can get up, but we've got to get up. We must. And we, we, we talked about that, and, and Jesus actually pleads our case, and because of the cross, we can get up. Because of what God's doing in my life and in your life, you can and I can get back up. I like that Jewish proverb that I read. <clears throat> it said, Dear God, help me get up. I can fall down by myself. We don't have any trouble falling down. It's the getting back up part and we need help and God is willing and, and he's able to help us. So finally, we're at the last section here, and where does Micah end the book? He ends the book with God, and, and who is a God like you? Right here. Who is a God like you? That's what he ends the book with, that thought, that theme. Again, there's a lot of negative stuff, there's a lot of confrontation, there's a lot of, of Micah, uh, you know, giving words to different groups of people. But in the end, he says, you know what? It's all about God. Who is a God like you? 
Is there any other God? Is there any other true God? Is there any other God who loves us, who forgives us, who keeps his word? No. There's lots of gods, though, aren't there? There's lots of gods in this life. But who is a God like you? There's plenty of gods with little g. We're going to sing a song at the end, and this one line in there is really awesome. And he says, you have no rival, you have no equal. Now and forever, God, you reign. You have no rival, you have no equal. That's the God that Micah is saying, who is a God like you? So let's look at verse 14. We'll pick it up where we left off. He says, he says it's a prayer. And in, in, in this section here, <clears throat> through the end, there's uh, different people who are speaking. And verse 14 is, is a Micah praying to God. And he says, shepherd your people. Shepherd your people with your staff, the flock of your inheritance, which lives by itself in a forest in fertile pasture lands. And let them feed in Bashan and Gilead as in days long ago. So he prays and he, he asks God to be the shepherd. And, and one of the most beautiful pictures in the Bible is the fact is that God is our shepherd. Again, I mentioned that kind of going through the trials I've been going through that, that you know, I needed God to be my shepherd, to shepherd me through this trial that I've been going through because you can't depend on people. You can't depend on doctors. You can't depend on systems. You can't depend on insurance companies. You, you, you need someone to shepherd you through, and God is the shepherd. So we know Psalm 23, right? The Lord is my shepherd. We know what Jesus said in the New Testament in John. He said that he was the good shepherd. But I really like this verse, so I put it up on the screen for you. In Psalm 28, David also writing... <coughs> Having trouble with a dry throat today. He says, save your people and bless your inheritance. Be their shepherd and carry them forever. Carry them forever. Isaiah 40, another wonderful verse about our God as a shepherd. And, and again, uh, Micah is praying, asking God to shepherd, to be the shepherd of his people. He says, he tends his, his flock like a shepherd and he gathers the lambs in his arms, and he carries them close to his heart, and he gently leads those that have young. That's pretty special, isn't it? That's for you and for me. I got some here, thank you. I'm good. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Okay, let's have a water break. <laughs> He gently leads those that have young. I think there's something special about that for people raising kids, too. That God is going to lead you. God is going to uh, shepherd you. God is going to take care of you because he knows what it's like. He knows what it means. And he gathers his flock like a shepherd. So in the next verse, verse 15, that's, that's Micah's prayer. In verse 15, God answers, and this is what he says. He says, as in the days when you came out of Egypt... I will show them my wonders. Now, you have to think about what he's saying here. God answers, says, listen, like, like when I brought you out of Egypt, and when God brought the people out of Egypt, what was that called? Anybody know the name of that? 
the Exodus, right? The book of Exodus is written all about it. The people of Israel being brought out of Egypt. But what did God do? He took care of them, didn't he? Even, even when they rebelled against him, which you and I might never, might sometimes do that, right? He still took care of them, right? Forty years in the desert, he took, he, he took care of them. He, first, of all, first of all, he got them out of Egypt. He, he opened the way for them miraculously. He, he rescued them from slavery. He led them in the desert with the, you know, the pillar of fire and the pillar of cloud. He fed them in the desert. How did he do that? Manna and what else? Quail. I don't think I've ever eaten a quail. Have you ever eaten a quail? Not a lot of meat on those things. You've got to eat a lot of them, I guess. But he fed them in the desert. He protected them in the desert. It said that their clothes didn't even wear out in the desert, right? So God, God was certainly a shepherd. So he's saying, listen, this is what I did when you came out of Egypt. I showed my wonders, and, and I'm going to take care of you now. Whatever your life is like, whatever your situation is like, he'll do that for us now because he is the true shepherd. He is the the shepherd. So, so he hears Micah's prayer, and he answers Micah's prayer. He hears your prayer. He, he hears my prayer, and he answers. Now, verses 16 through 20 now, the last section is, is Micah again speaking about God, and some of it is to God. And so, again, the context, the, the, the overarching theme is, who is a God like you? Who is a God like you? Again, we can worship all kinds of different gods and we can go after things and, and even believers from time to time and, and we see it in the example of the people of Israel, they would go after other gods. And we can do that too. We lose our focus. We lose that, that heart after God. We can go after things that really, you know, that the world would tell us are really important but are just not that important doesn't mean we, need to, we don't need to do what we need to do to survive in this world we do, but what has our heart, right? Who is a God like you? Verses 16 and 17, Micah says, Nations will see and be ashamed, deprived of all their power. They will lay their hands on their mouths. Their ears will become deaf. They will lick dust like a snake, like creatures that crawl on the ground. They will come trembling out of their dens. They will turn in fear to the Lord our God and will be afraid of you. One day, we see that in, in prophecies of all different types. One day, one day, all the nations will certainly see. And, and they will know that he is God. There is no God like him and they will turn to him. That's why we read that passage uh, that says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And he's quoting, that's quoting out of a passage from the Old Testament, that every knee will bow. There will come a time when every knee will bow before him. Verse 18, he says those words that I've been quoting. I think, I think uh, you get the idea of the theme, right? Who is a God like you? I, I, I say it a bunch of times. I think 
maybe you'll understand where I'm trying to get to, right? Who is a God like you? This is what he says here in verse 18. Who is a God like you who pardons sin and forgives the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance? You do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. You will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl all our iniquities into the depth, depths of the sea. Who is a God like you? Is there any other God? You know, the, this is one of the strongest messages in the, throughout the Bible, uh, especially in the Old Testament. Samuel said it, there is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one beside you. There is no rock like our God. Who is a God like you? There is no rival. There is no equal. The psalmist said in Psalm 89, O Lord God Almighty, who is like you? You are mighty, O Lord, and your faithfulness surrounds you. Is there anyone like him? Is there anyone going to be there for you like him? In Exodus 15, says, who among the gods is like you, O Lord, O Yahweh? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, and working wonders? Is there anyone else? Is there any God like him? He goes on here in, in Micah to speak about some of the things that, that we believe and what we have seen, what we know. And Micah, again, speaking, and this is what sets him apart. This is what sets our God apart, this God that we're speaking about today. The first thing he says is, is that he pardons sin and, it, and that he forgives. He pardons sin and he forgives. Sin is a problem, right? I mean, I think it's foolishness and I think it's an ostrich-like concept, you know what I mean by that? To say there's no such thing as sin. Let's, let's kind of redefine the word and, and, and let's change the whole situation. There's no such thing as sin. But truthfully, I think every one of us knows deep down that, that there is such a thing as sin. We know it personally. In sin, David said in Psalm 51, my mother conceived me. He said, I was sinful from birth. We know it. Deep down inside, we know it, and it's a problem, so what do we do with it? Isaiah, chapter 59, he says, your iniquities or your sin, your sins have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. Sin is a problem. Sin becomes a, a barrier between us and God. Why is that? Why does sin get in between us and God? I think the reason we don't know the answer to that question is because we don't, we underestimate two things. What sin is and how bad it is and how holy God is. We, we underestimate those two things and so we think it's no problem. There's no, there's no problem here. But sin, iniquity, separates us from God and, and there's, God is so holy that sin cannot stand cannot be a, in his presence at all. So we have a problem. We have a very serious problem that if we're going to have any kind of relationship with God, if we're going to go to heaven and live with God forever and ever, sin is in the way. 
right? This is simple gospel truth, right? Sin is in the way, and God said, that's a problem. Too bad for you. Is that what he said? No, he said, that's a problem, and I'm going to do something about it. What did he do? He sent his son to die for sin. In his compassion, in his mercy, we see those words used here. He makes a way. He, he sends Jesus. He, he gives us the cross. Warren Wiersbe said this. He said, this is why Christ died, that sinners might be forgiven. And he goes on to say, have you trusted him and asked him to forgive your sins? See, it's not an automatic thing. And that's a, another false concept. You know, we're all going to go to heaven. We're all forgiven. We're all okay. We're all Christians. I was born in America, right? So I must be a Christian. Well, that, even that concept is kind of getting, you know, we're kind of losing that one. But this idea that we're all, we're all good, really. We're all essentially good, so we're all going to go to heaven and we're all, everything's going to be okay. It's all good. Well, it's not all good. You've got to trust Him. You've got to ask Him to forgive your sins. He, he says all who believe in Him, all who believe and receive, will receive forgiveness. It's not automatic. So the question is, have you? I like Warren Wiersbe. I like Warren Wiersbe. I quote him a lot because he's, he's just... He's just right on, and you know, he asked the questions. Have you trusted him? Have you asked him to forgive your sins? It's a, it's a valid question. Don't just think that it's going to be okay. Have you trusted him and asked him to forgive you? That's a valid question. And I could ask the question of you today, have you? Your eternity, your future depends on it. Look what he says in the next uh, section there. Not only does he pardon sin and forgive, forgives us, he, he treads our sins underfoot and he hurls them into the depths of the sea. Anybody know how deep the ocean is? It's pretty deep. It's deep. It's way deep. It's, it's about seven miles deep at its deepest point. 36,200 feet is roughly what it is. That's about seven miles. That's like from here to uh, Warwick. It's about seven miles deep. That's pretty deep. We never think about that sort of thing, but, but, but it's what he's saying here too. I, I was going to show you a little video. I'm not going to do that today. But it says that that, you know, it talks about how deep it is and tries to give us a picture of, of how deep it is. We take the, the highest mountain in the world and we put it down in the ocean. There's still another mile to go. But it says there he hurls them. He hurls all our iniquities into the depths of the sea. 
Nobody can get down there. There's some weird-looking creatures down there that I don't know how they survive, but there's a few. There's some down there. There's probably more than we know about because we can't really get down there and, like, check it out that good. But there's a couple of people. Uh, Cameron, the, the director, he got in this submersible thing and went down, and he thought he had the record, but it was somebody, like, you know, 30 years before, and we actually went down all the way to the bottom in some kind of submersible. It's not something you do every day, though. So he hurls them into the depths of the sea, and if you can imagine your sin, that he takes your sin as you go to him and say, God, forgive me, and he takes that sin, and he hurls it down to the bottom of the sea. Maybe he, maybe he you know, ties it up with some kind of uh, cement boots or something. That's an illustration you might have heard around here before. I don't know why. Or... And it sinks to the bottom there that no one can get to. And then uh, Corey Ten Boom says he puts up a sign and he says, No fishing. Hebrews quotes from the Old Testament. He says, For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. Not only does he forgive, but he forgets. He chooses to forget, right? God says, I'm not going to remember that against you. Now, if he wanted to, he could remember it because he's God. He can do whatever he wants to do. But he chooses not to remember that sin against you. Now, are we like that? I have trouble with that concept because I can't that you know that does not compute for me because oh I can try to forgive but the forgetting part is not so easy right what this person did to me how that came down I'm you know I'm going to forgive but I'm I'm not going to forget there's no way I'm ever going to forget next week we're going to talk about this we're not going to spend time on it today but next we're going to talk about forgiving other people because I believe it's got to be one of the most powerful things in life to forgive. So I wanted just to spend one week talking about that. So before then, if you can make a list of all the people that you're having trouble forgiving and bring that with you. I'm serious. Don't, you don't have to write it down because someone might find it. It might be you know, your kid or your spouse or you know, your best friend or something guy you work for, whatever, you know. But I, I believe that God wants to do something with this. But first and foremost, forgiveness that comes from God, that God forgives and He doesn't hold these things against us and He, he puts them into the sea. Some people have called it the sea of forgetfulness. That's where that phrase comes from, this verse here in Micah chapter 7. The sea of forgetfulness is down there and God's not going to bring it up and remind you, well, don't you... Don't you remember you did that? This idea that God forgives our sin. He pardons sin. He forgives sin. He treads them underfoot. He hurls them into the depths of the sea. Psalm 103, this is another... uh, uh, That's not Psalm Psalm 103. Here we go. As far as the east is from the west... So far has he removed our transgressions from us. 
And that's, kind of, that's an interesting concept too, isn't it? How far is the east is from the west? If you keep going east, you know, you're never going to get there. You keep going west, you're never going to get there. He says you can't, you can't get to it. That's how far he's removed our transgressions from us, all the way down at the bottom of the ocean, seven miles down. I like that song Casting Crowns uh, did some years back. They called it East to West. And the, the chorus says this, uh, how far is the east from the west? And, and what he says, it's from one scarred hand to the other. It's from one scarred hand, speaking about the hands of Jesus. How far is it? He's, he's removed our sin from us, and he's done it from this hand to this hand, as he forgave us, and as he died on the cross for our sins. The next uh, passage that I had up there already says, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. Something that God does. I'm trying to make a point here. Who is a God like this who's going to take our sin, who's going to forgive it, who's going to bury it, who's going to not bring it up, who's going to change us so radically from bright red to white as snow. A God who it says here, He doesn't stay angry forever. A God who delights to show mercy. Who is a God like you, He says. Some, some of us have got that concept and we, we, somehow we picked it up that God is just angry all the time. God is just mad all the time at me. Now, there is such a thing as the wrath of God, and it's in the Bible, and we, we need to understand that. He hates evil. But, he's, but for those of us that have come to Him and humbled ourselves and come to Him, He's not, he's not angry at you. doesn't necessarily mean He likes everything you do, or that I do. But He delights to show mercy. Finally, in verse 20, it says, you, he says, you will be true to Jacob and show mercy to Abraham as you pledged on oath to our fathers in days long ago. Who is a God like you, a God who keeps his word? Who God, who, a God who, who has made promises to us, who will always keep his promises, who hears our prayers, who forgives our sins, who sent his son to die for us because he said he would send a savior. He promised that he would send a savior, that you and I would be forgiven. That you and I would be forgiven. This is at the heart of life, really. You all know about David. <clears throat> King David was a uh, he was a pretty good guy, you know, and it said he, he, you know, he had a heart after God's heart, you know, and, but, but he blew it pretty bad. And you can read about it in Psalm 51, when finally he was confronted, and, and, and he had to be confronted, and some of, sometimes we have to be confronted before we'll ever get it together and confess and get it right with God. But he finally did, and Psalm 51 is his prayer of repentance. But we're going to look at Psalm 32, and I want you to turn with me, please, to Psalm 32 right now. 
Because this, this Psalm 32 is what happens after he goes. Psalm 32. What happens after he goes to get to God for, for, uh, in repentance? Psalm 32, verse 1. Seems like it should have been Psalm 52, huh? Psalm 51 is a prayer of repentance. It should have been 52, but it's 32. It's not, it, not everything is in order in the Bible. So he said, Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him, and in whose spirit is no deceit. He's saying there's a blessing, there's a blessedness in and there's a happiness that comes when our sins are forgiven, they're covered, that the Lord's not going to count them against us anymore. Verse 3 says, When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me, my strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. What is he talking about there? Well, he went through that period, as I just mentioned, where he was trying to keep it to himself. But it sounded to me like David knew that there was this conviction on him. There was this heaviness on him. Your hand was heavy upon me because he had not confessed and he was trying to get away with it. Are we ever going to get away with it? No, the Bible says, be sure that your sin will find you out. It's always going to come out. It always does. It always will. We're never going to get away with anything, especially with God. But verse 5, he says, Then I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Blessed is the man. Blessed is the one. To be forgiven. To be forgiven. I have a, a video that we're going to play right now. It's uh, by Crowder. It's called Forgiven. And I, and I think the picture that, that he wants to bring across this idea of being forgiven is uh, uh, the idea that you and I were the ones that had the hammer and the nail, that we were the ones. It was our sin that was putting him upon the cross. So let's go ahead and play that video, and then we'll, and then we'll close in prayer, shall we? Freedom from all of 
Six feet under, I could have been lost forever. Yeah, I should be in that fire, but now there's fire inside of me. Yeah, I'm a dead man. Let's pray together, shall we? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that you loved us so much that you sent your only Son to pay the price for our sin, and all we need to do is believe in you and trust in you. Father, we are sinners. We are all sinners. We've all fallen short of your glory, fallen short of of your standard of holiness, of who you are. But you want us to be in heaven with you forever. And so you provided a way and you made the way. And, and Lord, we, we come before you now and, and perhaps there are some here who have never, who've never come for that forgiveness. If that's you, you can come today and simply say, God, forgive me because of Jesus, what he did on that cross. The power of the cross to save, to forgive. Save me today. And Father, maybe there are some in here today who are struggling with some sin, struggling with something that they need to just bring right now to the cross. And knowing that you promise to forgive and you keep your word. If, you, if we confess our sins, that you are faithful and just to forgive us, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Maybe that's you today. You need to just come and and confess it before him. Just speak to him right now in your own heart and, and, and ask him, God, forgive me. Things I've done, things I've seen, places I've been. It says in Acts chapter 3 that, that as we turn to him, that 
our sins would be wiped out, that times of refreshing would come from the Lord. Lord, we need that. We thank you that, that you are a God that, that wipes out our sins, that, that throws it, hurls it into the sea, the depths of the sea, treads it underfoot. We're forgiven. We are forgiven. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing together, shall we?